we go. Transmission on. Welcome to Space Mail, a podcast where we read submissions from beings all across the galaxy with stories to tell. It's a quiet night here on Earth, but the birds are still singing. We'll have some calm tunes to start our story off together, and we can thank our lovely sound designer, Danny Roa, for her beautiful work on this music. I have some tea and biscuits to keep me company, and the birds, of course. I hope you're comfortable and have a warm drink and snack by your side as well. There's something in the air telling me that tonight we'll be in for a real journey. This week, we have a submission from a mother from an Earth colony in the B-76 star system. Loss can be a powerful thing, as we'll come to see from our submitter, E. While this may not resonate with all of our listeners, surely we can empathize. Losing someone you love is difficult, and it's even more so when you're the cause of it. I wonder how many people like myself have hurt other innocent people. The thing about projected spite is that it's never the other person's fault, the one you're projecting onto. The past 28 years have been a lesson of how my actions can affect others, and how they don't need to stick around and deal with them. No one ever really expects to be slapped back when they dish it out, and I think it often comes as a shock when the sting hits your cheek. I don't remember much of my pregnancy other than being sick nearly all the time. The thought of soup and pizza made my stomach turn, and all I wanted to do was eat pickles. My husband's touch wasn't welcome after I'd learned he'd been cheating on me, and the pregnancy only exacerbated that. I wanted space, I was always warm, I was crying over nothing, and I felt miserable. My husband left just after I passed six months. I wondered every night how I would be able to support a child alone on this planet. A two-parent household was the staple of the culture, and everywhere I looked, I saw happy, complete families. I knew that would never be me, and I hated it. When the nurses handed my child to me, I stared at her in disbelief. She already had so much of her father in that gentle look of peaceful sleep. She had his little stubby nose and his curled ears, and when she opened her eyes to blink at me, I saw his green eyes. I felt so alone. Her warm head against my chest made my heart hurt and pushed tears to the front of my eyes. She smelled like imported baby powder, but she smelled like she was mine. But she would never really ever be mine. Half of her belonged to a man that had hurt me, and part of me could never forgive her for that. I think about that to this day, and wonder why I harbored such disdain for her. She didn't ask to be born, and in the beginning, I did. No one prepared me for the pressure that'd come as soon as I opened my apartment door. My baby slept in the car seat, weighing my side down like an expensive bag. I wanted to plop down in my bed and go to sleep, but I had to look after her. She screamed and cried that whole night, and I kept checking her diaper. Somehow it was always messy, even though she hadn't eaten. Breastfeeding was the first time I'd felt a true disconnect. Nine times out of ten, she'd bite me and refuse to eat. She rejected me, and I couldn't help but cry and feel like I was a bad mother. I dreamt of a life without her, but I settled with massaging my aching chest and giving her formula. If she didn't want me, then I'd give her second-rate nutrition. Her rejection brought out the inner spiteful child in me, and so began our struggle. As she grew, I refused to take pictures of her during her little milestones. I met her first steps with a sigh of dread. I could picture it now, her running around and opening things and breaking things and needing to be chased all over the place. 
I cried later that night, wondering why I couldn't just be proud of her. She grew up to be much prettier than me, with her father's beautiful features. But her hands were small and fat, like mine, so there was some proof that I was her mother in the end. Her smile was pure sunshine, and she was bringing home a new friend nearly every day. Her personality was radiant, and she was so kind, even to me. Every morning she greeted me with, Good morning, Mommy, I love you, and I wanted to cry each time. I let her be when she became a teenager and learned how to drive. She brought back boys to the house, and after a few weeks, she'd be sobbing loudly in her room, bunched up under the covers. I knew a thing or two about having your heart broken, but I just stood awkwardly in the doorway, watching her. I never comforted her. The next day, she was as good as new, smiling, going about her business. I never called to check and see where she was or who she was with at odd hours of the night, and I never demanded to see her report card. She was a good kid, and I trusted her to do the right thing for herself. She wound up becoming the valedictorian of her class and got into every single college she applied to. I forgot the day of her graduation and got there right after she'd given her speech. It must have been a good speech because everyone wouldn't stop clapping. I gave her golf claps to appear enthusiastic, to pretend like I'd been there the whole time. When she received her diploma, I cried. My heart warmed for an instant, and in that moment, I loved her more than anything in this world. I helped her pack up her room the summer before her freshman year, and each time I placed a mundane object into a box, the pain grew. She kept me company for all these years, and now she was leaving me. She and her friend Jenny decided to drive down to their college together. One less thing I'd be involved in, one less milestone. I wouldn't be there to help her unpack and organize and meet the roommate and take her out to lunch after it all before making my way back home. For the first time in a while, I hugged her. I kissed the top of her head and squeezed her tightly, but I felt her pulling away, and when I finally let her go, she turned away without saying a word. I called after her and let the words, I love you, escape. She half turned around and replied, love you too, mom. My heart shattered into a million little pieces. I couldn't bear to watch the car pull out of the driveway, so I quickly returned to the house. And when I got inside, the silence was deafening. There was no music filtering out from her room and no giggling and laughing with friends. All that was left was me. I called her twice every week to check in on her and see how she was doing, but each time I was met with curt responses and the ubiquitous, Mom, I gotta go, I'm a bit busy. I always called after her and said I love you, but I received nothing but the click of the phone call as it ended. And after a few months, she stopped answering. She didn't come home on holidays, and the loneliness I'd felt when I first arrived home with her in hand reached back and attacked me every morning my eyes opened. I took to heart reacting to her social media updates and following them closely to feel some sort of connection to her. Soon she was posting pictures with the same girl, planting kisses on her face. Love, I thought to myself, that's what was blooming. After three years, she began to call me every once in a while. Katie thinks I should keep talking to you, she'd said. The girlfriend, I figured. But I'm just not sure what to say anymore. When she graduated, she posted a job update. Associate Aerospace Researcher. She really was such a bright girl. The next few years hurt me the most. 
and the gap between us only grew larger and deeper. She'd gotten engaged, and all I knew of it was a picture of a beautiful sapphire ring and Katie kissing her temple. I stared at her radiant smile for a while and wonder how she'd grown so much. I received a wedding invitation a few weeks later and immediately marked off my calendar. Nothing in this universe would stop me from being there. I turned the ivory paper over in my hands a few times, admiring the details of it all. She'd chosen this font, I knew it. It was loopy and swam around the page beautifully, the way I imagined her swimming through a pool. The ceremony was a beautiful, small affair. Only close friends and family. I sat awkwardly towards the middle row of seats and forcefully introduced myself as the mother of one of the brides. People smiled at me, but I could tell she'd said things about me to them. I returned home defeated and miserable and threw myself into the darkness of my room and screamed and cried as loudly as I could. I'd never felt such pain before and I desperately wanted to walk over into her room and kiss the top of her head again. I wanted her to say, I love you, mommy, once again. A few years passed with few calls and more social media updates. Suddenly, there was a baby in one of the photos and the world came to a standstill. It took me a moment to process whose baby it was. She was a mother, and she looked unbelievably happy and proud. She looked like the exact opposite of me when I was her age holding her against me. Now, I was proud, but sad. I knew she'd be a good mother. She had all the qualities I didn't, and she had a heart filled with nothing but love. I knew that every night she'd cradle her baby and smell its head, and she'd think of me, and how she'd never be anything like me. That hurts. It's been a few years since she last returned a call, and I've decided to leave her be. But the pain grows the older I get, and with time, I realize that in the end, I'll be alone all over again. And that's no one's fault but my own. I was never there for her when she needed a mother, so why should she be there for me when I need a daughter in my old age? I gave my daughter a good life financially. In the divorce, I got half of my husband's money, and I made sure of it. Not to take care of myself, and not to take care of her, but just because I could. He couldn't have cared less about it, and he'd make it up in a few years of late nights and three-day business trips. What she needed was someone to hold her at night when those boys broke her heart, and someone to return every I love you with an even gentler one. There was nothing I could have done worse when it came to looking after her. I guess the pain of knowing she'd always partially be her father's child drove me away from her. I was a single mother in an unforgiving world, and I was scared. I was unprepared to give love, and I was indifferent when it was given to me. But that's not her fault. It never was, and it never will be. Now I spend my days alone in an eerily quiet house. The loneliness keeps me company, breathing over my shoulder while I make my coffee. I hate creamer, especially French vanilla, but I still use it. It was her favorite, and it reminds me of her. A heartbreaking story of self-inflicted tragedy. We are thinking of you in your moments of reflection, E. Perhaps it's worth reaching out and asking to speak over a cup of French vanilla coffee. If you have a story you'd like to share, please send us a message. This has been Space Mail, a podcast about the lives of those across the galaxy. 
Hopefully, you've learned something from this episode, and like always, continue on steadfastly and with good intentions. See you soon, friend. All stories told are fictional and not meant to represent true events. This is a Wasteland Radio production written and hosted by Camille Mojica. Music scoring done by Danny Roa. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.